Okay, so Ryan Tov, we continue in the Sefer Bayam Darkecha. And yesterday we discussed the initial practical kavonos understandings of the blowing of the shofar. Now in chapter two, we go into a more in-depth understanding of the shofar. And now we get to the more complete chart that we've been dealing with over here. And uh, we're going to add in a layer of understanding and that will now will repeat quickly the thoughts of this uh, chart and that's something you can have with you when you're hearing the show for blowing and think about it. So we just left off last week, we just uh, gave a little bit of a tease. What is written in the words of Rabshon Sharabi that the chauffeur does not help to sweeten the judgment unless it also is accompanied with tshuva. Chauffeur without tshuva is not going to accomplish what we're looking for. And the question is why? So Morgenstern explains the following. He says, when we do an Avera, what is the consequence of doing an Avera? There's many consequences. Probably the worst consequence is a sin conceals the reality of Hashem from our eyes and causes us to fail to feel the sweetness and the truth of holiness. Because sins are like a peel, a shell, that conceals the fruit. Now, let's explain what that means. When a person does an Avera, what is he really doing? He is uh, hiding the reality of Hashem. He is acting as if Hashem is not here. That the Balabais, the guy in charge, he ain't here. The guy in charge said, don't do this. And what happened? You went and did it. So what does that mean? So that allows the Klipos, the shell, the Yed Sahara, to conceal your soul. Because your soul knows about Hashem's reality. So when you behave in a way against the will of Hashem, what's really going on? Your behavior, that's what Chilol Hashem means. Chilol Hashem means it's a vacuum of Hashem. Hashem's reality does not appear to be there. And if Hashem's not there, something else takes the place. Something's running this world. And if it ain't Hashem, it's something else. It could be money, it could be fame and fortune. These are all klipos. Now what's the job of a klipo, the negative? What does a klipo accomplish? It conceals and hides the reality of Hashem. And it lies into such an extent that it, that it, that it can go against the will of Hashem. To say you don't have to go with the will of Hashem. So when a person does an Avera, he is showing that he holds God forbid, like the Klippus. And he causes that power to dominate over him and to fool him as if these things are true and as if they have their own reality. So whatever the Avera is, whatever the Avera is, on a simple level, you eat not kosher food. You eat food without a hechsher. You're saying, I could have pleasure with this and Hashem is not really in charge of this food. This food is something altogether not connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
You speak Lashon Hara, that means my mouth is not connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the desire to speak Lashon Hara, that's fun, that's enjoyable, and that's its own reality, and Hashem's reality is not here. Now, and more than that, not just through the sin does this power of falseness increase, but also the revelation of truth gets weakened. When Jews sin, God forbid, then Hashem conceals himself and he allows the world to conduct itself in a way that it appears it works by nature without Hashem. And therefore, it's this nature, these klipas, are the ones that have the power. And in Ayin Ches, he says, that's the deeper understanding of the concept of the Shekhinah is in Golos. The divine presence is in exile. And, or like the, the maidservant who's been chased out by her mistress. That what, is, what does Golos mean? We don't see the unity of Hashem. We don't see the truth that everything comes from Hashem. It appears that things depend on nature and depends on what people do. And this is our main avod on Rosh Hashanah, is to repair such a flawed emuna that's been blemished because of our sins. That is the avoda that we have to do over here. Okay. Yes? So, is it in connection with Sarah letting Hagar go? Is it in with that? Did we get that? Yeah, it could, be, could be a similar idea of that. Yeah, it's not connected to the mistress anymore. That could be a, a mystical understanding of that, perhaps. Now, Hashem's conduct reflects our actions. So when a person acts properly and he has a muna, then Hashem reveals to him and he merits to recognize Hashem more and more. But if a person doesn't have era, and what he is doing is he is he is hiding the reality of Hashem. And he acts as if the Balabais isn't there. So Hashem will act to him that way. That Hashem will not reveal himself with his powerful reality and unity. And with that truth that everything comes from him. No, he'll allow man to make a mistake. And he'll allow man to believe there are other realities other than Hashem. And then what happens is a person gets involved in all kinds of confusion that's very difficult. And these problems all come because he does not recognize the reality of Hashem in the truest sense. Let me just finish this. Because somebody really feels the reality of Hashem in truth, even if things are difficult, he knows that the difficulties are from Hashem and it's for his good. And he lives with a feeling that everything is unified to Hashem and Hashem is making things that even though they're difficult, they're for his best interest. And he's happy with what happens to him. But when he's filled with sins and it causes a concealment of Hashem and a barrier between the Jews and their father in heaven, then the Jews don't feel enough of Hashem's reality and Hashem does not reveal himself to that. Let me just go a little bit more and I'll take your question. And in footnote I and test, he explains some terms from this. This, this state where a Jew is far and Hashem is concealed from him and a Jew cannot merit to feel the reality of Hashem and Hashem's conduct is concealed within nature and you can't see Hashem's ashkacha. There's a word for that in Hebrew. It's called dinim, judgments. And these judgments, what does it mean? That you don't feel 
the essence of Hashem. It's concealed. Everything seems nat- natural, as and as if there is a force of evil, evil that's at work. And based on the blemishes, uh, you get such evil thoughts, thoughts of questions in Amuna, or thoughts of lust. That's all called dinim. What's dinim? Dinim means the concealment of the face of Hashem. And these thoughts cause because of the distance we have from Hashem. And the distance comes from our sins. Because the truth is, Hashem is very close. And more than that, if he was close to Hashem, he'd feel the the reality of Hashem in such a clarity that all the questions would go away. And all the lusts would be disgusting to him because the great pleasure of being next to Hashem is so palpable. So therefore, tshuva and nullifying yourself to Hashem allows a Jew to sweeten all these bad thoughts because they are coming, really why they're coming? To get you to do tshuva. Why should you feel so rotten? Because Hashem wants you to do tshuva. They're never really satisfying. And that now is where tshuva becomes the critical component over here because without that, the concealment will always exist. Yes, now what was your question? You answered over at the oh. end, but I still ask. So if man is not doing mistakes or sins, he will not do chua. If he's not doing chua, he's, well, he's, he's not like making mistakes. Like he, he doesn't have free choice then. Like no, he's not... choosing not to make mistakes. But if you're, you're not cho- making mistakes, then because you're like you're angels. Cho- no, you're, angels cho- not make you're choosing not to make mistakes. An angel doesn't choose to not make mistakes. You choose to not make mistakes. And don't worry, the HR is going to tempt you with other mistakes. And you have to fight those. My question is that if you're making sins and you're making tuna, that is what Hashem wants. He doesn't want... like Hashem wants us to sin? No, if you're making... I mean, doesn't want... If we're making sins, Hashem wants us to do tuna. Right. And if we're not doing sins, we can still get closer and closer to Hashem. How is that possible? We are not making sins. We will make sins. We are humans. We are bound to make sins. Okay, so again, and there's also sins depending on your level. A person on a higher level, more is expected from him. And for a lesser person, it's not a sin, but for him it is a sin. The higher you are, the more Hashem expects from you. Okay, now the second half, second point, second section. So how do we repair the damage? If we've done sins, and there is this concealment, and there's feeling of far away, so that comes through the chauffeur. Because and now we're gonna like repeat what we said the last couple of days, but add a little layer over here. Remember, we said blame chauffeur is, is a is a primal cry out from the person. We want Hashem, we want His unity revealed. And now, and we don't want the falseness of the klipos that live in our lives. And we have to reflect on the great kindness and love that Hashem has for us. And to reflect on the existence of Hashem and His unity, that there's nothing else but Him. And He does everything. He gives life to everything. And when we think about that, that arouses the Jew's point of yearning to Hashem and his heart gets aroused to clean himself out from the falseness and to begin to live a divinely true life. And he returns to Hashem with complete tshuva and it burns inside of him a desire to do what Hashem wants him to do 
and he accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven with truth. And that is the blowing of the shofar. And he calls the shofar is like the niggin, the tune of the Jewish soul. It's the niggin, the tune of the one who yearns for Hashem. They were crying out to Hashem as if we'd be saying the words, Father, even with this descent that I'm in, even with the sins and with the concealment and the, and the klipas, a klipa within a klipa, I still only want you and I want to return to you. And with that tune of the shofar, it reveals the deepest desire of every Jew. And Hashem is glorified. And he says like this, take a look at my children, that even when they have fallen, and even when they're in the lowest of places and so far away, they still feel that all the klipas are lies and they want to come back to me. And not only that, but they don't despair. They don't, they don't leave their yearnings, but they are sure, they're certain that I will have compassion on them and I will have love. And they turn to me because their love and their desire is really so deep inside of them. And now when that shuva happens, it retroactively clarifies that the sins are revealing more about the closeness of the Jew to their Father in Heaven, and that causes forgiveness from Hashem. Now, because that is one of the reasons of the shofar, the word shofar, is similar with the word shipru, which means to make nice, make beautiful. Shipru masechem, beautify your actions. That's what your shofar means. And how does it show that a Jew will repair his actions by doing tshuva, by arousing himself with this yearning to God and to remember his soul, how beautiful, to, to remember how beautiful this connection to Hashem is. And that he only wants the good and they reveal that there's really no despair for a person. In any situation he's in, he can come back because Hashem's always with you. So this is the tune of the shofar. It's an expression of the yearning of the soul to its creator. And it's an announcement that there are all situations in the depths of a person that wants Hashem. So this is the point. When you've gone off the path or you've done, you're still holding on to some very terrible Averos. But you're saying, I'm not happy with this and I want to get out of this. It's showing that even when we're so far away, we're thinking about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So that retroactively shows something amazing. When things are going good, it's obvious you want to be close to Hashem. But how about when you're so far away, you still want a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And therefore, when the Jew blows the shofar, he's screaming out, even though he's not saying these words, that even though I've, I've descended and sinned and concealed the reality, I'm not giving up hope. And within all the fallings and the descents, I'm still yearning to cling to Hashem because I understand that He is with me under all situations and ain't old novato. And that cry of the shofar, it's describing our desires to reveal God's unity. And, but... The depth of that niggin can only happen if you're really doing tshuva. Why? Because tshuva causes that the shofar is not just a desire for the revelation, but that it should be revealed within the tomb. That it's a truer desire. 
It's from the deepest part of the person that wants to connect to Hashem. It's not phony. A lot of us want to be better, but don't do the activity of doing better. And that was what we talked about. If you listen to the Arab Shabbos drush that just came out last night, you'll hear more about that, how important actions are. And tshuva is so critical. Okay? And in footnote, Pebez, he explains that this tune is going to be like the tune in the times of Mashiach. Because there'll be so much revelation of Hashem. Hashem's going to slaughter the Yetzirah. He's going to slaughter the evil from the Yetzirah. And there's all kinds of Kabbalistic ideas behind that. But that's what's going to happen. And therefore, Satan, he is very confounded when he hears the shofar being blown every year. He's afraid that this time it could be real. And of course, you know the question, why is he so nervous? Didn't he remember what happened last year? We blew shofar last year. Not much improved. Mashiach didn't come last year. I've heard this I've heard this for thousands of years already doesn't he smarten up the answer is because every time the shofar is blown it is a little bit of the shofar of Mashiach to cry that we only have Hashem who's the only one and to him we're yearning and at that point no matter what with all the klipos that we have fallen into that surround us we still have not given up on Hashem and even no matter how deep we are we're looking for Hashem's salvation and we're even in the depths even within the klipa we're saying but we need you and we can't live without you Hashem and when a person reveals that it becomes clear that uh, that that evil of the Yetzirah caused more Kiddush Hashem. When the Yetzir got you to sin, he thinks he put you away. But in the midst of that sin, he's still searching for our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that, he, that he's being revealing Hashem within the Klippas, that are supposed to conceal Hashem. And when a Jew says, after I've seen all the evil, and I've checked it all out, and the result is, I know for sure there's nothing but Hashem, and I want to return to him, that is the, the shechting of the Yetzir and to turn it into holiness. And even though the perfection won't happen until Mashiach comes with the shofar of Mashiach, but every shofar has a little bit of that. And every tshuva that a Jew does brings a little bit of his own Mashiach. And the Satan is afraid he may have lost you at this time. In other words, we make a little bit of the shechita of the Yetzer itself. So Yetzer may not think Mashiach's coming, but he gets nervous. Uh-oh, I can't work on this guy anymore. This guy? I can't do it anymore. Yetzirah takes pride in knowing how many people are under his thumb. You know, it's like stocks. You know, he's got seven billion people under his thumb. And many millions of Jews under his thumb. What happens when a Jew gets out from under his thumb? Uh oh, this guy's not being fooled by me. What's going to be? He may tell others. Others may, you know, and, and when e- evil wants to destroy everything, doesn't want any good to be around. So he gets nervous. What does he get nervous about? That maybe this Jew this year, he means it this year, and I'm never going to get him anymore. I've lost the client. My stock goes down. You see, you got to be careful. That's why the sudden he hears the chauffeur. 
and there is somebody out there who has the right thoughts. Maybe not all of us. Just like we say, everyone can have his own Mashiach, his own personal Mashiach, whom the rest of the world hasn't. And the Satan is very frustrated when even one Jew has his own Mashiach. That's one less Jew that he can destroy. And that becomes a foothold to finally turn the whole world against him. It hasn't happened yet, but it's building. More Jews, more Jews, more Jews. We'll come to that time of totally destroyed. So this is the critical aspect that we must have. Tshuva has to be part of all this, or it's really lacking a certain degree of sincerity. So now we go back. Oh, that's the problem here. Okay, one minute. Ooh, ooh. Yes, okay. So now we go back and add a few more layers when we talk about the various chauffeur blasts. So we start again with that first tekiah. That first tekiah. That is now we call it the nigun, the tomb. The nigun of the yearning of the Jewish soul to Hashem. And with a tshuva with all his heart. Now remember, that tshuva had better have started already by now. Don't start thinking in Rosh Hashanah, oh, now I'm going to start doing tshuva. That's a little bit late. Hashem wants to see, let's see what tshuva you've done. What change have you made? You've got a week to go. What can you say you've done different as you come to Hashem? And that's the, that, so that, that song, with a tshuva, and we have to have a kavana, that our yearning is coming up to Hashem, and it's as if we are grabbing on to Hashem, as it were, as it were, as if we're saying, we want only you. And when we make that first blast, we're screaming to Hashem, we recognize that only you are the source of good. There's nothing else but you. And then what happens, Hashem begins to reveal his conduct of the unity. Because that nigan, that tune, arouses the rutzen of Hashem. That he says, okay, I want to come down and live down with you people. Remember, when we do have areas, we're blocking it out. Hashem's not here. He hears, we want him. Says, okay, I'm going to come, I'm coming. And Hashem is going to reveal himself within all the constrainments. He'll reveal the Enod Movado and everything is supervised with a specific supervision of Hashem. And all the klipas, for you at least, can be nullified. And all the concealments can be nullified. Because you're doing tshuva together. And now Hashem really wants our return. He reveals more light. Ah, but now comes the shvarim. But since we did sin, there's got to be some justice. You want to get all this, but you did sin. And therefore he said the shvarm is like the din. It arouses the judgment. And now we got to really do big time tshuva. As strong as we can. With a broken heart. And to yearn just for Hashem. And to leave all the other things that we should not have loved. Taking the holy energies and projecting love in the place that doesn't begin. And, and to take that all away. And therefore, that's the, that's the, the, the Yiras Hashem, admitting the truth, that everything we have is from Hashem. And I'm really going to do tshuva now. 
I've been doing tshuva and I'm really feeling even stronger. That's the shvarim. And the, and the tshuva says we have to be mechazek, the tshuva, with a, with a broken heart. Where now, instead of just going, uh, 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 you're bawling like a little baby. You're completely broken. And that arouses Hashem's mercy. That's the whole point. We want Hashem's mercy. When a, when a child cries to a parent, you get mercy. You say, I was so bad, I was so bad, please forgive me. And then comes the last kia where Hashem reveals all that and the Shefa begins to come. As we explained, and now the, the, the uh, what do you call it? The Chachman, the Bina Nadas. Hashem brings that flow of Chachman Bina Nadas. And we arouse our hearts to have in mind to receive the divine things that Hashem is giving. And then everything else, as we have spoken about with the next uh, six notes that are blown in terms of Chesek, Vurtiferes, Netzachod, Yesod, and Malchus. This is where the Tshuva aspect is plugged into here. Okay, now, that's the final Tshuva. And this conduct now is where Hashem reveals himself. Hashem now is gone on to his throne of mercy. He reveals his divinity to you in the world and we can feel this reality of Hashem. And we accept upon ourselves that everything we do from now on will be with God's covet, with a knowledge and a strong feeling there's nothing else but Hashem and the Klippas have nothing to do with us. We don't want to listen to the Klippas anymore. The Klippas are gone. And how do the Klippas go? Because Hashem pours in pure chesed, pure gvura, pure tiferes. Without the Klippa. Klippa takes the chesed and puts it in the wrong place. Also, you know, you're falling in love with things you shouldn't be falling in love with. And Hashem says, I'm going to give you the real love. It's me. It's all me. The real chesed. The pure chesed. And you take that pure chesed and you see that's a beautiful thing and you're not interested in the phony chesed. Same thing with gvur and tiferes, etc., etc. That's that added layer. So he concludes this ma'amar and he says, remember, the averis we do, that creates the concealment of the reality of Hashem. Therefore, we have to do tshuva and to want Hashem to return and live with us and we want to accept the yoke of heaven. And that's expressed in the blowing of the shofar, which is the inner tune of the soul, that even we've gone so low, we still only want HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's how we come back to our brains. We get our brains back. Our brains are, are, are fried. We're thinking about so many ridiculous things. And we want to get our brains back. And when we get our brains back, we get to feel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And once the evil is broken through tshuva, the truth comes out. And now all the spheros come in. And that's how we said, Ashrei ha'am yodei tshuva. Fortunate are the Jews who understand what the truth is all about. And we're able to go with the light of a Kaddish Baruch That is the Indian of the shofars. What we're going to discuss next week is, and that's going to be the last, there's two more essays about Rosh Hashanah. And it should take about two days next week. What's the purpose of the second day of Rosh Hashanah? For many of us, the second day of Rosh Hashanah is a repeat of the first day. Now, even in Eretz Yisrael, everybody has to keep two days. In Eretz Yisrael, you keep one day the other holidays. 
But Rosh Hashanah, everybody keeps two days of Rosh Hashanah. No exceptions. So, don't, don't you feel that the second day of Rosh Hashanah is just a rerun? It's hard to psych yourself up. Okay, this year might be a little better because since the first day of Shabbos, we don't blow the shofar. Now, remember, all the thoughts that we have when we hear the shofar should be when we're saying the prayers of Malchios, Sichronos, and Shofros. But at least the second day does have the shofar, which the first day doesn't have. So that brings it out a little bit. But what about when it's regularly and you have two days of shofar? So how do we have a mindset to appreciate that the second day must have its own avoda? And as well, we have to look at various customs that we have on Rosh Hashanah, such as Tashlich, such as changing the last bracha of Oseh HaShalom, uh, different ideas that we have and how they all fit into Rosh Hashanah. We'll pick that up next week. Tomorrow morning, we have the class on Tefillah. Again, if you want the chart that we have, just email me, rabbimachalowitz at gmail.com. We have the chart and we have everything to see over there. Okay, yeah, sure, everybody. What are the various...